Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Greenhouse Gases podcast, co-produced by Forum for the Future and Cat Gemini. This miniseries is part of our larger thought leadership project hosted on the Forum Futures Center, an open participatory futures hub tracking signals of change to create a more just and regenerative future. I'm your host, Saul Salinas, Global Executive Vice President and Sustainability Lead for the Americas at Capgemini, and I'm joined by Corrine Sout from Capgemini as well. Corrine is a multidisciplinary technology enthusiast. She has a PhD in atmospheric chemistry and environmental sciences and a postdoctoral degree from Harvard University and a career-spanning organization such as the Catalan Institute of Climate Change, as well as the Barcelona Supercomputing Center. And of course, fortunately for us, she's now here at Capgemini. She's currently a business developer on sustainable usages of satellite-based information and products to support European institutional clients such as the European Commission and the European Space Agency, as well as the European Center for Midterm Meteorological Weather Forecasts. That information helps deliver evidence from space of positive impacts on climate change mitigation and adaptation actions such as decarbonization. Corinne, it is absolutely a delight to meet you. Thank you and welcome. Thank you, Sol, and thank you for having me today. So let me start this way. You know, I've read several of your thought pieces, Corinne, on data and sustainability, and your work in particular that you've entitled From Innovation to a Sustainable Data Economy is frankly fascinating. I wonder if you could sort of elaborate on what you mean by that. So I've been working, as you said, for more than 15 years now on the main European space program on satellite navigation and on Earth observation program. My job consists to create and to give life to new services, new services, new tools based on Earth observation data to support sustainable development goals as they are defined by United Nations. So we work on the SDG 13 on climate action. And what I really enjoy is to do innovation through collaboration, to be on the pulse of what is new and what's next. So for doing that, I combine three types of expertise or knowledge, know-how. First, on innovation. So in other terms, it's how to use data from space, how to give value to the data. Second is the digitalization, which is the core DNA of Capgemini as an IT company. And third, on sustainability. So that is what could be the benefit for society to get this green impact, this green usage. So every day I collaborate with different partners from those different horizons, research lab, startup, SMEs and big company as well across Europe, but not only beyond the Europe frontier and at international level. And all these actors are at the top of excellence in terms of knowledge, in terms of scientific expertise. So we go beyond state of the art. We take this input as a science input. We mix it, we combine it, we apply innovative technology such as IT architecture. You have to imagine like a framework of IT providing big data processing, cloud technologies, artificial intelligence, 
algorithm, high performing computing. And we also include, of course, Earth observation data. And altogether, we design a new service. So behind the description of from innovation to a sustainable data economy, the idea is to have the right doses of innovation, creativity from the different actors I mentioned to give life to new services, to new tools, to able to have actionable insights, to deliver information, but reliable information. And with this tool, we aim to empower society, public decision makers, private stakeholders with concrete solutions to mitigate and adapt their operation or management, whatever, in response to the climate viability impact. So could be reduction of their CO2 emission or greenhouse gases emission, or could be to assess the impact of the environmental policy. When we talk about new services, there is behind a new landscape of usage and then new business model with an impact on sectors. And the impact become obvious when we target solution on specific sector, such as energy transition, mobility, transport, urban growing, which is expansion of a city in sustainable city environment, and for the risk monitoring, for example, for the extreme event. So let me sort of bring it down to earth, if I could, pun intended. Can you talk to us, Corinne, about the type of data that is now available to us through, gosh, the vast network of satellites that now orbit our tiny little planet? And how is that data helping advance our joint commitments towards climate mitigation and dare I say it also, climate adaptation and resilience. Okay, so first things, we can change only what we can measure. And actually, we have a very large diversity of data available from space, from uh, commercial data from space, and from Copernicus program, which is a European program for Earth observation. To give you an example, one Earth observation satellite provides 300 terabytes of data a day. So it's huge. And if you consider constellation of a myriad of satellites, it's not huge. It's just raining data from space. So um, there is a lot of opportunity to explore and exploit this data. Mm -hmm. So if I'm an organization that has a global supply channel, for example, whether I'm consumer goods or light industrial or heavy industrial, what suggestions would you have, Corinne, or what recommendations would you make for me if I'm interested in accessing this real-time satellite information as I advance my journey towards net zero or, frankly, my broader ambitions towards being fully sustainable? Okay, what first you should keep in mind is clearly the advantage of including space data in the business services or business product. And the advantage, clearly the continuity of data and the trustworthiness of the data. 
So you have to imagine satellites in orbit providing updates of the status of our planet behavior. As an example, Copernicus takes a pulse from Earth from space and provides a worldwide update of the status of ocean, land, atmosphere every two days to five days, depending on the satellite product. So there is no loss of information. Night and day, we have information anywhere on Earth. And then we have trustworthiness of the data. All the information is reliable because it has been validated by international scientific community before being disseminated. And the quality of the data is key to provide this trustable and freshly updated information to be taken into account in the decision-making loop, either for achieved greenhouse gases reduction or other sustainable goals. And based on what you've seen, Corinne, from your work, are there certain industries that have embraced this information perhaps ahead of others? Can you give us a sense of how the insurance industry perhaps or the agricultural industry might use the kind of data that you just described? It's an interesting question. So some uh, sectors are more mature than others. It, indeed, it's a very good example of a tool, decision supporting tool combining artificial intelligence applied to satellite data. And for agriculture, for instance, the user utility relies on supporting in complement to in-situ inspection, human inspection, the monitoring of land use or land cover, deforestation, but as well soil erosion, any kind at the end of change detection. And of course, culture monitoring or yield forecast. This is a part of their interest. And um, another example in similar approach of observation data empowered by artificial intelligence that makes a real difference. We have been working on ocean plastic litter detection from space. So it's a totally different sector to support NGO in their action But, you know, the space downstream sectors is quite complex and we can observe different levels of maturity. And sometimes the market can be expensive when it implies purchase of commercial data. So for some sectors who are mature enough to deploy operational services based on Earth observation. So it's a natural step to jump into the space world, let's say. So it's the case for insurance, agriculture food security, for example, but for other sectors, there is a gap. And this gap is not easy to take. So Copernicus program offers a large data set, which is open and free. And being mm. open and free, that becomes a real opportunity and open the door to new entrants, such as a startup, SME, and public institution. Mm-hmm. So they're proposing new usage and new business model. So tell us a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind, about Copernicus, because you do mention it in your literature, especially compelling that you say when it's free. Tell us about the nature of that information, if you wouldn't mind, how one might use it, and how do I get to it? It's an interesting question. So Copernicus is a program launched by the European Commission, and that gathered together information from numerical output from in-situ measurements and from a constellation of satellite called Sentinel. And they all together provide the statue that takes the pulse of the Earth from space 
and they provide updated status, freshly updated information on the behavior of our planet. And they are declining different services to facilitate access to that kind of information from land, ocean, atmosphere, to have this systemic approach of the Earth ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Most think about satellite data as being photographs or videos. Is this what we're talking about here? What kinds of data in particular? You can have both. Like Earth observation is really a picture of what is happening at one moment on Earth. But as the satellite is looping around the Earth, you can have like temporal series and you can see and monitor any kind of change and any kind of detection of change on the surface Earth, or but on the concentration of pollution or in waves, in current, oceanic currents. So it's very complete picture of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Could you share with us your thoughts, Corinne, on what it is about this satellite information that is groundbreaking? What is it that sort of changes the calculus and how we invest in climate mitigation, for example, as opposed to where we were, let's say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Yeah. What I can see nowadays is the impact of uh, the measurement from satellite. Satellite provides tangible evidences of the climate change impact. And this measurement is integrating new actors in the value chain of decision makers. Apart from research center and private sectors, the ecosystem of decision makers is much more inclusive with integration of the voice of the citizen and as well the city, which has to support the fair transition to low carbon or resource efficiency. So the measurement has to be quantitative. The impact measurement has to assess the positive impact of the environmental policies. And this is possible thanks to satellite information because they really provide tangible results. So you present a really exciting vision for how we might begin to measure progress towards climate change at the enterprise level, if you will. I mean, I can almost envision, Corinne, a scenario where an organization that's got a global supply chain standing up a satellite surveillance, video surveillance command center, for example, that draws real-time information across certain geographies that are perhaps disproportionately impacted by weather events, which of course are caused by climate change and perhaps track those over time Mm -hmm. and translate that real-time intelligence, to use your term, into um, investment decisions. It's a pay me now, pay me later scenario, if you will, that perhaps wasn't available. The information wasn't available until we were able to sort of tap into it through this network of satellites. Yes, you're right. Technology had to evolve to be fully adapted of the huge amount of data, which is now available. So technology means capability to process a huge amount of data. Capacity of big data, the cloud technology, as I said before, and what significant change have been made regarding the way to process the data. And we have this democratization of the cloud technology as well. And what is fascinating is we have this diversity of data that makes easy to fuse observation data, simulated data, 
we can combine different type of data set, which was not possible before. So we are facing this diversity of data. And at the same time, I see the need of a simplified and easy access to this information, which is huge, to be able to fully explore the data and to have future scenario projection, for example, or display advanced analytics from one single entry point to achieve this sustainable goal. We have observed the exponential usage of artificial intelligence in many, many domains, and in particular, in the way to manipulate data from space, Earth observation data. And then when we combine this kind of data with artificial intelligence, the output is impressive and it improves the prediction our understanding of what is going to happen next. And this makes sense in the global context of the political change that we have seen recently, not only with the Paris Agreement, as you know, has been adopted in 2015 to limit the global warming, but more recently, we have the European Green Deal, which has been approved in 2020. And the Green Deal is focused on making Europe the first climate neutral continent by 2050. So that implies at least a reduction of 50% of the greenhouse gases by 2030. So it's a very high ambition. This has been a change in the game totally because the Green Deal, again, put society at the heart of this transition. So no one is left behind. And as uh, the tool to measure the impact, the tool that we provide based on space evidences has to showcase that we are in the good track. They have to be able to deliver visible results to society, to citizens. And that's the big change. It's great to hear the conviction in your voice, Corinne, and the enthusiasm. And uh, I can see a very bright sort of future ahead. But, you know, the two of us are advisors to clients. And I will take my host hat off for just a moment and put my advisor hat on. Why isn't it more well-recognized that this information is available? And how do we convey the power of this real-time satellite information to our clients more readily? Because I suspect that many of our own clients and I suspect many companies worldwide are just not aware that it's available to them. Yes. Yes, you're right. Even Earth observation data remains complex because it requires a specific expertise to extract value. But I can see that Earth observation data is more and more open to a wider ecosystem out of a traditional space ecosystem, let's say. So it goes through demonstration of the value of integrating this continuity of the data, this trustable data in their decisions. So it could be insurance, they have done that, agriculture, energy sectors. And uh, again, the trend is to simplify access because the data is quite complex to handle. And to speak the data, it's uh, even difficult. This is why we are working hand by hand with scientific community to make sure that the data speaks correctly and provide reliable information. Are there specific examples of this Earth-based data, how it's been deployed, again, on the sustainability topic in particular, and perhaps climate change even in more detail? 
Yes, we have very nice projects. We are currently working on one for the European Space Agency. Again, we are working uh, alongside research center and labs and SME to deploy an operational services to monitor the carbon monoxide and more pollutant emission at global scale. So this is totally new services. It has not been done before. And the target user is public decision maker and businesses. So see, again, we want to, to raise awareness of the power of integrating uh, data in the decision making loop. And for other reference, we have been working on agriculture, for example, rice monitoring from space over Vietnam. So that's a very nice asset we have. And to have the different state of the maturity of the rice plant, for example. We have been working on the forest management to estimate legal and legal deforestation and monitor the young trees detection when forest owner have to restore ecosystem after damage or after deforestation. More example, yes, on the biomass satellite, uh, which is a future mission from uh, European Space Agency, which is delivering information about the state of our forest at global state. So this is where we are in the downstream application to promote collaboration on the scientific community to better understand the carbon global cycle, for example. Interesting. Here in the Americas, we're working closely with our counterparts and colleagues at Google, Public Sector Cloud, and an organization called Climate Engine, which works on something very similar, which is ingesting satellite data, making sense out exactly. of it, and mm -hmm. translating that into value for our clients as they look to insulate their supply chain from weather impacts. So, you know, you sit in a very sort of interesting place, Corinne, which is the uncertainty of climate change and leading edge technologies. I wonder if I can sort of ask you a personal question. What are your sort of thoughts as to where we are as a global community vis-a-vis -vis our, our ambitions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? And is it your sense that the solutions that you bring forward, the suggestions that you've proposed in your thought leaderships will help us solve this? So what I can see that we have everything in place now to act together. We have everything in hand, in hand to do so, to change our way of living. And we have the right alliance, for example, of innovation action, drivers for digitalization and the commitment. Commitment from political level, institution to European level for our side. And this is very nice to see this strong mobilization, this rising awareness on climate change and using Earth observation data. So we can see commitments from industry leaders among our clients. We can see as well main city mobilization in the way of driving this uh, transition and meet their objectives public institution, private sector. So all are committed to act for uh, this uh, sustainable future. Are there any downside risks to using this data? There always are, right? I think it's important for us and for our audience to sort of understand, obviously, the benefits of tapping into this gold mine of information and insights and value, but also to sort of at least think about any potential downsides to using it. 
of course, the, the space data has to be integrated in the world data value chain. It's complementary to the data we already have to make sure that we have a systemic approach and missing no gap, no dark side to have this comprehensive and systemic understanding of what is happening and what could happen in the forecast mode, which is allowed by the space data, for example, combined by artificial intelligence. What is 10 years from now then, Corinne? What does this space look like 10 years from now? Meaning the work that you do and the intelligence that you bring forward. I can compare with Galileo and the GPS integration in our day-to-day lives. 15 years ago, no one was using Waze or Google Maps to go from point A to a point B. So my expectation is that in 10 days from now, Earth observation data will be part of our life in the same way of the navigation by satellite. And it will be complementary data or information, for example, in the planning of your next trip in the sustainable tourism activity, leisure activity, maybe on when you are visiting site cultural heritage tourism, that kind of sector, which are little by little integrating that kind of data that can raise awareness on what is happening on Earth. That's a really, really cool vision of the future, right? In other words, the personal experience enhanced through the ability to understand our environment through the use of satellite-based information or Earth observations. So I think the idea of extending our ability to understand our surroundings in a way that uh, enables us to make decisions about something on the other side of the planet in real time is a really neat idea. Of course, never mind just the power of that information helping us solve what I would regard as being the most dire challenge that the human species has ever faced, which is, of course, climate change. On that thought, Corinne, I just wanted to thank you for participating in this discussion. It's just been a real delight to be with you and to hear, like I said, your conviction and your enthusiasm behind it. So that goes a long way. So I thank you very, very much. Thank you, Sal. Thank you for joining us, Corinne. This has been a fascinating conversation and very educational for me. Clearly, the use of satellite technologies to impact the way that we make decisions on climate change and sustainability is of enormous value. It is also clear that it requires a multidisciplinary approach to fully deploying it and maximizing its utility. It could serve as a significant tool in the arsenal as we help predict extreme weather events, as we help identify ways to lower air pollution, as we help map entire biomasses across geographies all over the planet. So I thank you very much for your work. It's been a delight to be with you. Thank you, Sol. Thank you all for tuning in and joining me on these net positive business discussions over the last several weeks. This is the last episode in our Beyond Greenhouse Gases series, but please check out our other two episodes where we explored the role of businesses and how they're impacted by the systems they're part of and envisioning the future of businesses and our world. You can find out more about our joint project between Forum for the Future and Capgemini at thefuturecenter.org forward slash beyond greenhouse gases. Thank you and take care.